0: Hi, this is Jeff Mead. I was Paul Croft and Kickboxer 5, The Redemption. You are listening to my man, Justin Harvey, on The Justin Harvey Show.
1: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Justin Harvey here of The Justin Harvey Show. As you know, I have been covering a lot of Kickboxer interviews through the year. Well, tonight is no exception. I have a star... From the movie Kickboxer 5, Mr. Jeff Mead, also known as Paul Croft. Welcome to the show, sir.
0: How you doing, my friend?
1: I am doing wonderful. How are you doing this evening?
0: Doing all right. Doing all right.
1: It is truly an honor to have you a part of the Justin Harvey Show. Um, So I'm very, you know, I'm very thankful for your time, but before... Before we jump into the whole kickboxer um, genre, um, can you please tell my audience how you got into acting and you know a little bit of your background, a little bit of your history?
0: Um, well, <laughs> my whole plan in life was to go play college football and then go into the military and make a career out of that. Mm-hmm. So my freshman year, I think it was. Freshman year, I got hurt real bad in the spring game.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Sophomore year, I had my first knee surgery, and pretty much there, any chance of playing college was going to be done already. Uh, I played another, I played my senior season and then had to have a, two more knee surgeries. <laughs> so I went ahead and went down, uh, before I graduated, down to the recruitment office to list. In the military, and at that time, they were very more, much more selective. Mm-hmm. And because I had surgical hardware in my my body, you know, surgical screws, they wouldn't take me. So nobody would take me into the service. <clears throat> so I went ahead, and went to college, and it wasn't that I didn't try it. I just wasn't a very smart student. Uh, I studied, and I you know if I did what I needed to do. I just didn't make that grade of grades, and. I was too stupid to go into business. So I had been kicked out of school uh, at the University of Texas at Austin, and my family called me home to where they had gone from, Houston, to El Paso, and there was nothing to do in El Paso, Texas. And my mother was involved in community theater and local film and TV and commercials and said, hey, why don't you come down to the theater and audition? That's yeah. how it started. <laughs> oh, no came out of having nothing to do mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. myself so
1: that's how I fell oh, oh wow that that's amazing Jeff and, uh, Jeff I, I wanted to say you know before we jump into the whole kickboxer thing and everything, you know uh, this wasn't planned, but this is a heartfelt thing for me to you. I wanted to personally say thank you for uh, standing up for uh, disabled uh, disabled individuals because I saw the um, the Facebook post of that poor individual being bullied by those kids.
2: Yeah.
0: So. You know, when I was, you uh, know, I was in elementary school, I and junior high and high school, I was always sort of the bully's bully. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, anybody that was a bully, I kind of went after them and beat them up. <laughs> so I've always, I've always been kind of uh, you know championing the underdogs
2: in life. <laughs>
1: Oh, wow, that, that's, that's really cool. Um, uh, could, you, could you talk a little bit about uh, to my audience uh, what it was like working with the cast of the Malcolm in the Middle?
2: Uh, that was, a, you know, that was, I worked, I think,
0: I think it was just only one day. Yeah, it was only one day for those scenes. And I think they only shot that in five days because, you know, TV shows like CSI shoot eight days. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty sure Malcolm was just five, but the, the, it was either the day before or that morning of filming my father had passed away. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think somebody caught me crying or something in between cakes or something. I was kind of off by myself. So I said, you know, my father just died. And it got around set. And Brian Cranston uh, mm-hmm. came over to me and said, you know, this guy didn't know me from Adam. I mean, we knew each other for the day, but he'd never met me. Mm-hmm. And he came over and said, you know, uh, it was a Friday. It was a Friday, And he said, you know, I'm having a poker game in my house tonight. Would you like to come? Which really threw me. I mean, he was the star of the television show asking me to come to his house to play poker. Mm-hmm. So it was, uh, I, you know, I didn't go, I just wasn't the right mindset, but it was a really great, I mean, I just mostly worked with Brian. I met, um, I can't remember how you say it, named Jane her name, Jane Cruz, shall I ask her her name, but the one that played the mother. Yeah. And one of the sons, but I didn't get to meet, um, the boy that played Malcolm, but the two parents and the mm-hmm. older brother were fantastic, they were, especially Brian Krantz, and I was, shocked at how nice he was, and then, um, the cast, uh, the crew, the producers actually sent me a uh, baseball cap for that season, which apparently I heard was something they don't normally do, but it was, it was a very nice, you know, nice experience.
1: Oh, wow, and, um, also, you, you were, uh, featured in another show that I, um, watched on Netflix, and I'm in the process of trying to contact some of the cast from this uh, show. Can you talk a little bit about uh, working with the cast from Charmed? <laughs> uh, uh,
0: Justin, that's not a... Um, the cast on that show was not a cast I cared to work with again. Uh, okay, that that that's fine. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> now, Antonio Sabato Jr. was very cool.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, I worked mostly with Antonio, and Antonio and I had a great time together. We
1: uh, you
0: know we ate our meals together, uh, we hung out a lot. He was he was fantastic, but that's mm-hmm. for the rest of the crew, <laughs> the rest of the cast rather. I had no comment.
1: Well, well, thanks for that, Jeff. I will take that into um, consideration, my friend. So, you know, because I'm, I'm often careful myself, you know, with, yeah. with, with doing this and stuff. But uh, yeah. okay, um, can, can you talk about like I know this was just a small part, but this was awesome. You were also in um, Little Miss Sunshine.
2: Yeah. Can
1: you talk about how you got involved with that?
0: Yeah, I was um, predominantly known, and still to a point, even though I'm not in L.A. right now, uh, as being the go-to bad guy for television. <laughs> so I, I had a name, you know, as far as the casting offices and producers of television went. I mean, I get Jeff Meade in here for, you know, as bad guy for this episode. Mm -hmm. and my film credits had predominantly been a lot of beat movie stuff, you know, like Kickboxer 5, Leprechaun 4, junk like that. Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
0: And I got the audition offer full of the sunshine, and I read the script, and, you know, and there was a little more to what made on screen that always happens. Mm -hmm. But I read the script, and I thought, you know, this is going to win... At least one, one Academy Award and something.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: And I told my agent, I said, Yeah, I'll, I'll go do it. I'll go do part. So I went in, and for most, mostly for big films, you mostly get hired off tape. You never meet anybody. You just go up to the casting director and they take you, which is different mm-hmm. than television. And I went in, and the, and the cast directors were, I don't know, treating me like I was somebody, which was kind of odd. And they said, You know, is this part too small for you? And I said no. I mean, I love the script, and I and I know you know who your stars are. I'll I'll do the part. It's not too small for me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I got it. Um, most of the guys in the room were much more biker looking than I was too. I mean, there were guys with long, easy top beards and long hair, and tattoos, and I was the most, I guess, <laughs> unthreatening looking biker that had been there auditioning. <clears throat> um, but I got the part. Um, all those people were really great. There was, uh, you know, we were sitting there for a week watching these kids dance. There were real, they were real, um, real patch of contestants. Mm-hmm. And this one particular day, they were just shooting the girls dancing all day. And the directors got up on, this, on the stage and they was placing a camera. And they said, okay, so now we're going to, uh, we're going to catch Jeff on this shot. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, there's all these moms and children and I, in a moment of idiocy, I jumped up and said,
2: F yeah!
0: And just screamed it out and dropped the F ball. (laughs) And me, I was being a jerk because I was bored. And everybody was, was completely dead. Silence. Everybody started laughing. And they said,
1: we gotta keep that, we gotta keep
0: that. Of course, obviously in the movie, I don't say F yeah, I just said yeah. But uh, So that, that's kind of how, originally, just, you know, they just, they, they was dead, quiet in the audience, and they were just going to zoom in on me, and I started clapping. So, the standing up and yelling, that was kind of just me goofing off, and they ended up keeping it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But, uh, you know, Greg Kinnear and Steve Kerr, all those guys were fantastic. It was, it was, it was a very nice, neat experience. A- a-
1: excellent. And, before, before, Jeff, before I jump into the whole kickboxer thing, yeah. um I'd like to mention to you there, there, uh, there's a slight chance that I actually might get to meet you in person because um, oh. I'm actually being inducted into the USA Martial Arts Hall of Fame in 2015 fantastic. and I've heard that you know through my contacts that you've been to this event before. So.
0: Yeah, I, I go to I go mostly to the one in uh, Newark, in Indianapolis. Oh. Been to one. Usually I usually go to L.A. But I didn't make it mm-hmm. this past year, but I'm usually in New, uh, New York or New York, whichever it was. Uh, it was in New York, and then I went to New York, so I'm usually at that one. I'm usually at the Indianapolis one. I'm usually at the L.A. one, and then, of course, the Texas one. Well,
1: the Indianapolis one in 2015, Jeff, is the one I'll be attending. So.
0: Okay. Hopefully I'll get to make it.
1: Yeah, it'd, it'd be great to actually get to meet you and, and yeah. take some photo shots and stuff. Yeah. So, but um, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, let's go ahead and uh, jump into uh, the uh, kickboxer uh, edition of the show. Now, my question, my question here is the obvious one, Jeff. Um, like when you were approached for the part, were you familiar with the kickboxer series at the time, or the you know the epic that it was?
0: Well. Here's the thing, Justin. Actually, it had been Kickboxer 5, and then when Mark DaCostas came aboard, his representative said, we're not going to do it. It's called Kickboxer 5. So then we came to Redemption. So when I came aboard, uh, when I went into audition, I didn't realize it was probably Kickboxer Shares. I thought it was just a martial arts that would be called the Redemption. Mm -hmm. And, you know, back in the, the 90s, these action straight to video four movies were a huge business not so much anymore but at the time they were making them all the time so I had gone in and was you know I just thought it was a martial arts movie and then I got a call from my agency saying that uh, the fight coordinators needed to meet me and so I went in to meet the fight coordinators and it was a gentleman named Burton Richardson Who's a huge uh, Jeet Kune Do instructor, and he also talked to Chris Liebman, who fought in the UFC,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and had a you know audition a show that I did you know, the martial arts. And at that point, uh, Burton's girlfriend at the time, June, had mentioned something about Mark Costas.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I said, Mar- "Oh, Mark's in this." <laughs> so um, when we got over there. They, apparently it was, I realized that it was a tie-in to Kickboxer 5 because in the beginning there's some talk about, uh, the previous Kickboxer movies. Mm-hmm. But the whole premise was it was supposed to be the redemption. Mm-hmm. And then it was supposed to go theatrical, we were told. And then things happened and it went to Kick HBO and they put back, and even when it was on HBO it was still called their attention. And then after a while, all of a sudden, the Kickboxer Five started popping up on the video titles and stuff. Um, it was my understanding that Mark's people had said, you know, don't put Kickboxer Five on this, but you know, Hollywood's gonna—they're going to do what they want to do. They don't care.
1: So. <laughs> oh, 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 yeah. Um, you know, for your, for your parts in general, you know. Uh, how did you prepare for, for your script and your part, you know, currently my audience uh, through that process? What did you think of the script at first? Um, it was okay.
0: There's actually Mark and I and Christine, the director, and, um, oh my gosh, I'm getting that. That's so long ago.
2: The mm-hmm.
0: main producer. Um, whatever his name was, <laughs>
2: uh,
0: we actually rewrote quite a lot
2: uh-huh.
0: the whole scene in the spinach patch. That was not in the script, so we completely oh. rewrote that. Oh, uh, wow! That was it, yeah. That was that was actually we we came up with that on the fly. Mm-hmm. We really sat down with a notepad and pen, we wrote that whole scene out in a spinach patch, and then we shot it. <laughs>
2: um,
0: i trying to think back, there was a lot of stuff we do in that. There was in the scene where I was running through the airport and then I go back where the baggage
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, stuff is, mm-hmm. that was actually supposed to, I forgot, it was supposed to end up being in some enclosed area. And mm-hmm. so we ended up not having access to that after all at the airport. So they put us in that area that's in the movie and they did a good job of hiding it, I think. did because you saw, you saw the guy in the crutches come in, but it wasn't still off. There were these huge hangar doors, mm-hmm. so everybody was freaking out because the whole point was Paul Croft gets cornered, mm-hmm. and now he has to fight. Mm-hmm. So I said, you know, hey, look, man, it's kind of making the guy sort of a puss. What if he's just had enough of running? And he turns and decides, screw it, I'm going to fight these guys.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: So, oh, that's a great idea. So, you know, so they did that. Um, but we did a, there, And there's more. To, there's a lot more that we changed. I, I'm struggling. There was another big scene. I'm trying to make up my camera what it was. <laughs> that, <laughs> but it,
1: that's okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it came down to me and Mark, change, you know, rewriting all of a sudden. there was no pads and pins. I don't have a lunch table just rewriting stuff
2: like crazy. Mm-hmm. No.
1: It, yeah, not 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 to down uh, not to downgrade the film or you know whatever. But here, here's my thought. You know, I thought it would have been nice if they could have like with your character been more in depth. Like you know, you know that you worked for uh, Mister Nagal in the past, but you really don't know you know much about it. You know. You know there was I
0: mean. actually, yeah, no, there, there was actually more to the character. Um yeah. but <clears throat> it was kind of turning into, you know, is this is <clears throat> this a Mark DeCostkis movie or Jeff Mead <laughs> you know. Yeah, nobody knew who I was. Um so there was actually there actually was more to Paul Croft, but you know, it was a story about the guy, the hero, Matt Reeves, not the other guy. You know, Mm -hmm. sort of sidekick. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's
2: uh... yeah,
1: yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, honestly, you were my favorite character in that film.
2: (laughs) it was a fun part.
1: So, but um, also, Jeff, um, I didn't get to see this, but uh, I recently read you were in uh, NCIS. Is that correct?
2: Yeah,
0: yeah, I did a real you know, the politics of Hollywood, I was up for a big part. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, somebody wanted this other guy. So they offered me the role of his friend, which was one scene. And I said, no, um, I have actually, I can probably, I actually, I didn't say no. I have twice the resume that I do, but I've, I've turned down a lot of projects in my life. And, um, so this was one instance where I said, no, I'm not going to do that part. I don't want to do it. And there's just certain times where powers that be and your say, no, if you want to you know, keep everybody happy, you have to do this.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So it was one of those things. I didn't want to do it, it as a tiny, tiny part. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to kind of make up for, you know, they put my name at the beginning of the show. They gave me a decent paycheck for the day. Uh, yes, I did uh, did the first one. I was just up for NCIS LA mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, and I didn't get I didn't get the part for it. But uh, so I was up for NCIS LA, I guess about two months ago. But, uh, oh yeah, wow, I did the first one. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Um.
2: So
1: so anybody anybody out there, you know, wanting to get into acting, uh, what advice or um encouragement uh would you give um these people if they wanted to break into acting.
2: <laughs> uh my honest uh,
0: my honest advice Justin, is find something else to do.
1: Find something <laughs> else to do.
0: But, you know, if, if something by you is is really bent on doing it, um the the easiest thing that happens to most people is you get out there yeah, I mean, I even wrote a book. I have a book on Amazon.com on how to get into business. But um, <clears throat> the biggest thing people do is they get out there they have no idea how to do anything. And they fall into this, you know, get a waiter job. And uh, I go wait tables at night. Then I go out with my friends and party and talk about, you know, when I went my Academy Award. Then I wake up hungover at about 11 o'clock in the morning, then I maybe go to the gym, then I go back and lay tables again, then I go out and get drunk. I mean, that's the trap that, I mean, seriously, 90% of people fall into. Mm -hmm.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So my first bit of advice would be, don't fall into that. You know, go get the waiter job or the bouncer job. I, I was a bouncer at night. And during the daytime, I was sneaking on. It's a lot harder now back then, I was sneaking on movie lots. Uh, there's a lot of casting directors that are off lot, you know, just in, in buildings. So I would go in there and visit them and drop off headshots. Uh, so what I didn't do was, you know, go bounce, then go out and get drunk till 6 in the morning, then sleep till 2 o'clock, then do it over again. You know, I would go bounce, and then I went home with Ben. I got my butt up in the morning, and I went out and pounded the pavement. So that would be my first advice. Uh, my second advice is you really need to understand what you are. Mm-hmm. You know, when I went out there, I thought I was going to be Tom Cruise. And it's kind of embarrassing to even think that I thought that. But you need to really understand what your type is. You know, are you the bad guy? Are you the hero? Are you the, you know, the fat chick who's a friend of the really Hot Girl? Mm-hmm. Are you you know, the geek that wears, you know, the tape on his glasses. I mean, you know, you just, you just got to
2: mm-hmm.
0: really know what your part is. And the, second, and the first part is just don't fall into that whole party living the dream foolishness, which is what I'm, I'm going to say 99% of the people are doing out there. Wow. So those are the two biggest parts, uh, two biggest pieces of advice I could do,
2: mm-hmm.
0: aside from doing something else.
1: Wow. Now now you you study martial arts, correct? Yeah. Uh, t- tell us about your uh, style in martial arts. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I've heard you you do seminars too. I'm sorry what I've heard that you possibly do seminars as well.
0: Yeah, I actually have my own school now. Oh wow. yeah, I actually have my own school now. Um, <clears throat> I started <clears throat> martial arts when I was 12. Um, My father was an amateur boxer in the Army, and he also knew judo, so he had taught me how to box and taught me some judo. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I got stabbed for the first time in the sixth grade, and then in the eighth grade, I hook-punched a guy, and dislocated his job. I broke my hand. (laughs) So. After those two incidents, I decided I probably needed to learn martial arts. So I started like, you know, with Taekwondo, like everybody does.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I uh, I studied American Kenpo, I studied Kyokushin, I studied Donsuri Jiu Jitsu, I did not retire for a long time, I did Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. But I currently hold, I earned a black belt in karate, which was sort of a mix between Shotokan and Kyokushin. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but currently, I hold a fourth degree black belt in Kenpo, a second-degree black belt in keto, and a first-degree black belt in Taekwondo.
1: Oh, wow. So, you know, a lot of the trade then is what I like to call it, you know.
0: Yeah, and then, yeah, I mean, I, and the thing that separates me, and, I'm, and this, I don't mean to bag on people, but, you know, if you ask nine out of ten martial arts instructors if you ever applied the martial arts, they'll say no, which is very admirable, mm-hmm. but... You know, coming from my side of the track, my thought is, well, how do you know it works? But, you know, I worked rock concert security and ran bars at some dangerous nightclubs. Like, I've been stabbed, I've been shot at, I've been at concert riots. So I've actually applied the martial arts in real life. And, yeah, I actually went and taught the Marine Corps MCMAP instructors course. So I actually went on to base down in San Diego and taught the Marine Corps martial arts program instructors. Martial arts. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so, yeah, so, my, my, the program I teach is a little more, you know, thing in the eye, kick him in the groin, hit him in the throat type <laughs> type of stuff, not, you know, jump in the air and spin five times and try to hook, kick him in the side of the head.
1: So. Yeah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. Now, um, one thing I forgot to ask you about, uh, for Five, what was the most, huh. what was the most, uh, challenging, Challenging thing working on that film. I mean, what was the most challenging? Do you think
0: being in Johannesburg, South Africa?
1: <laughs> really?
0: Yeah, it was. Uh, when we were there. It was two weeks after apartheid, and, and yeah. it was pretty dangerous. Um, mm-hmm. We were pulling out of a uh, out of the prisons. Uh, we were filming. We were filming in the prison. We were actually, one of those days, we were pulling out, and everybody literally pulls up and touches bumpers, getting ready to turn left, I guess turning right it was, and at this time, they were having a lot of taxicabs. Uh, there was really a taxi cab war going on, mm-hmm. and you had rival companies carjacking each other. And we pulled out of the prison and we're sitting there and the girl that played my sister Rulon and her boyfriend with me I had this huge van and I felt stupid driving by myself so I let Rulon and her boyfriend ride with me. -hmm. And we're sitting there and two taxis pull over the side of the road and these guys get out and they start shooting each other. And, you know, 50 feet away these guys are having a gun battle. And... People have fallen over dead, and I looked around, and all the, everybody that was driving had ducked down, and I'm the only idiot that's sitting up watching this go on, so a bunch of the, the guys that hadn't died took off chasing each other, shooting each other across this field, and this one guy that had hung behind looked over, he saw us sitting in a in a van, I and mean, all the taxi cab companies had vans. Mm-hmm. So this guy looked over and had this big old grin on his face and came walking over raising the gun up at him. So this is where I did the best acting job of my life. I reached under my shirt and started trying to pull the door open. And I started telling this guy, you know, I'm going to blow your head off. You blank, and you blank, 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 and just, you know, put on a yeah. big acting job. And he actually stopped and put his hands up and turned and ran away. Oh, wow. So, so that's one story about being there, but it was the filming wasn't that bad. as the city, the yeah. yeah. It's just really dangerous.
1: Wow, wow. Now, is that the only dangerous encounter you've had during filming, or is that just one of many that you've had? Or?
0: One of the one of the what filming?
1: Is is um is that just the um is that like the only uh, dangerous uh? like, the only dangerous encounter you've had during filming in your years of filming, or have you had other occasions where you've had some dangerous situations, or... Yeah, there was a...
0: When I was doing a TV show called The District with mm-hmm. Craig T. Nelson, mm-hmm. and I was playing this skinhead. So, and this guy, you know, they he's killing these people, and they're trying to chase him down. So we were shooting the scene this one day where Craig T Nelson finally catches me, Mm -hmm. and we were in a bad part of Los Angeles. So you know I had the shave—I always had a shaved head—but they had lightning bolt tattoos on my neck, (laughs) and um, I had the bomber jacket and the the uh, blue jeans with the Doc Martens. So I I mean I looked, you know, very skinhead neo-Nazi. Mm-hmm. And I was standing there on the sidewalk, and this low-rider car came creeping up, and these hardcore guys were looking at me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You, know, and, you know, and they didn't see the camera crew, and they didn't see the cops that were standing at, uh, behind the stand. And they were looking at me, and I looked at them, and I stomped my foot at
2: them. Oh, wow.
0: <laughs> Just to be a jerk. And then the guys started reaching into his love compartment.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the two cops spun around, hey, keep it moving, girls. So the guys, you know, took off. Mm-hmm. And the cops looked at me, and one of the guys said, that was funny, but don't do that blank again. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So that was a, my smartest moment on the movie set. But I'll learn well. a, a few things. you know, mm-hmm. like that.
1: Now, now, are you writing your own films as well? well? Can you... Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, I don't want to. I don't want to give anything away that you're, you know, currently working on. I just want to clarify that you are working on some of your own stuff. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, I've written my own stuff,
0: uh, but you know, essentially, what happens is, and in, really in the real world, mm-hmm. what happens is you write something and somebody reads it. And occasionally they might buy it, like a little like a case of a little bit of Sunshine.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But what happens more often is somebody will read your work, and then they'll sit there and say, okay, well, that's nice, but here's my idea. Go like my idea. So that's what happens most of the time. Um, the first script I ever sold was something that I had written. Mm -hmm. And then the company came back and asked me to write another one, which was I Am Omega with Mark Dapot, my buddy Mark Dapot, again. So most of the time I I get approached by uh, to to write something. So uh, right now I'm working on two different scripts for this company, The Asylum. They did the Sharknado movies. Uh, So... I'm currently working on two projects for them at the moment. Oh,
1: that's 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 awesome, Jeff. And uh, but before before I let you go and everything, um, is there is there anything that you want to you know, um, and you can take as long as you need, Jeff. Is there anything that you want to uh, pass along to my listening audience because this is going to be on iTunes, YouTube. I mean, this is going to be all over the net, so.
2: Uh, Is there anything
1: that you want to you know uh, pass along you, you you can take as long as you need
2: uh,
0: I guess my
2: <laughs>
0: just given the times that are going on right now I guess my biggest thing would be to uh you know pay attention to what's around you and not what you're seeing on c n n Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to sound conspirac- conspiratorial but you know uh, this for instance with some of the stories that are going on right now you know these are people who are voicing their opinion who have never been in a life or death situation themselves mm-hmm. so my rant right now is just you know, uh, just keep your, your mind open and understand that if you have a particular certain people saying this is how it is, mm-hmm. you know, my first question is, do you really have the experience in what you're talking about?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, you know, I was having an argument with a guy at the coffee shop today about something. You know, uh, so, but that would just be my thing is to, uh, you know, with all the stuff that's going on right now, just, you know, keep an open mind. Don't necessarily subscribe to what you see on the news.
1: Oh, oh, absolutely. And and, and I, I just remembered one last question, Jeff, because I know you're a very busy man, but, um... Can, can you talk a little bit about uh, working on uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer the series? Uh,
2: yeah, the first
0: Buffy, um, I forgot what episode I did. I think I did the fifth one,
2: mm-hmm. and
0: that was that was a really cool part. Um, <clears throat> one one day, it was actually it was Halloween of all things. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And uh, and also, uh, back on the first season that I did, everybody was really cool. You know, it was a new show. The writing was really good. People were really excited. Everybody was very, you know, friendly. So on this particular day, it was Halloween. Mm -hmm. And that first season, you know, it took four hours to get that makeup on you. Um, When I went back to do a couple episodes on the sixth season, it took about two hours to do a makeup, but everything was new. Mm -hmm. But on on this particular day, we were having doing this fight scene in a morgue. And there's a scene where I'm beating up Buffy's uh, boyfriend. Mm -hmm. And I slammed this morgue freezer door into the back of his head. And in the process of doing it, the thing was I kind of. To give him the cue to react to me hitting the door, I gave him a little tap on the back of his leg, which his leg was below the frame of the camera. And when I did that, I kind of rotated my torso about another couple, about an inch or two. Mm-hmm. And they had not—they <clears throat> um, had not protected the edge of the freezer door. It was razor sharp. Mm-hmm. So when I leaned in to give him that, like, kind of rotated to give him that little kick to react to the shot to the back of his head, that physical force split me wide open. <laughs> oh, wow. me deep across my stomach. And I didn't, you know, I thought it was just a scratch. And uh, the actor Christopher wheel, you know, drops. And then I look at Sarah, and Sarah Geller's eyes got about the size of golf balls. And she
2: said, oh, my God, are you okay?
0: And I say, what are you talking about? I looked down, and you can see the layers of skin and fluff was coming out of my gut. So, you know, everybody freaked out. And, uh, and it, I was supposed to go in for, I think it was Alien 4. It was mm-hmm. Alien 3 or Alien 4. I can't remember which one I was supposed to go in for, which one it was. But we were, we were coming up on lunch break you know, I was going to run literally just up the street to 20th Century Fox to go audition real quick for Halo, Halo Alien 4 and come back. So they're freaking out and go, we got to get you to the hospital. we got to get you to the hospital. And they said, no, no, just clean it up and butterfly stitch it. I'll be fine. And they were saying, no, no. I said, look, man, I've been stabbed twice, okay? This is nothing. Just butterfly it, clean it out, butterfly it. I want to go to my audition for Alien 4. Mm -hmm. So, all the producers came over and said, you sure you're okay with this? I said, yes, just butterfly. So, they cleaned it out and butterfly it. Mm -hmm. And so, I ran up the street to uh, Alien 4 audition at Fox. And the director, Jean Genet, was a French guy. Mm -hmm. So, he wasn't understanding that I was on a TV show, and that's why I looked like a vampire. He thought I showed up. He thought I was on my way out for Halloween. And he, couldn't under, and he couldn't understand it, so he's thinking I came in a Halloween costume. And he got all pissed off, and he, wouldn't, he just said, told them to put me on tape, and he left the room. You mm-hmm. know, like, why can't you make this guy understand? I'm working on a television show. So anyhow, uh, so I got on, and he was up job. But uh, I got back to Buffy, and that was, I think, I think that was a 20-hour day. That that wow. the day And then I you know, They told me You know Please go to the hospital Please go to the hospital So I did go to the hospital You know Nine hours later Or seven hours later mm-hmm. And uh, I got to the ER And the guys just said Well you know Nothing we can do now It's You know You're just going to have A nasty scar I said okay So um, Then I went, went back On the sixth season
2: mm-hmm.
0: The Not all of the cast but a couple of the Mm casts were radically different people and not different in a good way. Um, So it was was quite a bit of a letdown to see how these particular actors, actresses, Mm -hmm. had let the success go to their head. Um, So it was kind of a, everybody remembered me too, which was you know cool, but, but it was kind of a little bit of uh, you know. Yeah, a know. disappointment. Yeah, 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 yeah. But both, but both times I, mean, I had a great time. Uh, you know, when you know when can you dress up as a vampire or a demon and get paid a lot of money to go play Halloween for you know a few weeks? So, <laughs> so they, were, they were good experiences. I enjoyed them. Oh,
1: oh, oh yeah, Jeff and I wanted to comment. Um, on something, um, I, I would love to see you work with, uh, Sandra Bullock, because she's one of my favorites. I love Sandra. Yeah. Um, I think it would be interesting to see you two work together on something.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I'd set the profiles, the movie. she does. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if, you know if there's some kind of a psycho killer or something, but...
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's that, that, Ben Foster for that. So yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> now some some of your um, movies I've not seen, but I, I've heard yeah. that you were in like. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the uh, name of the film. Um, uh, Apocalypse. It's um. It's off the tip of my tongue. It's a. Uh, uh, it Resident Evil. Eagle. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, Resident Evil. Resident Evil extinction, the third one.
1: Yeah. How, how was that experience?
0: You're asking a the bad questions. That wasn't a good experience. <laughs> um, we we that role I did the it's the beginning of the film and Mila Yovich gets lured into a radio station. That scene was about thirteen pages, as I recall, thirteen or 15, about thirteen pages. And usually one page translates to a minute of the film. Mm-hmm. And I had a whole, I had a good deal of lines in these fifteen pages. They, for whatever reason, you know, you shoot out of order, you know, shoot in order, film the TV. But for whatever reason, they were doing this toward the very end. Uh, actually, it was the last two weeks of the movie. Uh, So, people had already been there, you know, for three months in Mexico, which is a fun place to go, at least for, you know, to make movies, and people were pretty tired, pretty sick of it. Mm -hmm. The uh, director had a bit of a problem, Mm -hmm. without going into too much detail, and uh the filming was very rushed, very unorganized. you know people just tired. they just want to get done and be, get over get over and be done with it. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't uh, necessarily one of my favorite jobs. And then especially when I saw the film and how badly they had edited it, and they just think you know, we, when we were doing when we were filming, we knew they were covering. The cover, coverage means how much film they shoot. You know how much they actually cover the scene, mm-hmm. and all of us in the in the scene were you know are they covering this? Did they get that? Did they? Are they are, we already move on to the next page? You know, type of thing. So we were all concerned at the time of filming. Uh, there was actually I think one or two days the director wasn't even there <laughs> to film.
1: Oh wow!
0: You know, one of the producers had to step in to do it.
1: So, so basically, it was like you know they wanted to do this film, but they didn't want to take the time to do it. They just wanted to make a quick buck. Well, I, I
0: wouldn't I wouldn't say that. I think it was just from I, I had heard absolute horror stories. One of the worst things I heard mm-hmm. was when they were filming out in Mexicali, um, they had left. Some, they went to lunch, and they and some of the actors or the wrangers had left the firearms sitting out, you know, in Mexicali, I think it was 120 degrees, I think, from there, and I heard horror stories about some of the actors and stuntmen when they take up the guns, and the guns actually burned their hands, like, seriously, like second degree burns. Mm-hmm. Um, there was, when I was there, there was a stuntman that got hurt very, very badly. Uh, so I think, so I don't think, it, it wasn't that they were trying to just turn out a quick buck, but it was more that it had been a really rough shoot. There had been a lot of injuries. Uh, you know, anytime you're filming in some place like Mexico or Johannesburg or the slums of Puerto Rico, it you know, you want to get out of there after a while. Yeah. You know, I really think it was more that, that people just they wanted to be done and get the heck out of there. It just sucked that, the, that it turned out that we were there the last two weeks of filming <laughs> instead of being there, you know, back when it was, you know new and exciting and had had them been dragging on for months. So
1: mm-hmm. and my final question for you, Jeff, and uh before I ask this, I want to um I want to thank you for, you know, being on the show and participating and and not killing me over, you know, awful, awful questions and stuff. I just wanted to make <laughs> sure I just wanted to make sure and cover everything and, and give you a good show, my friend. And
2: uh
1: uh-huh. and uh you know, what, what is your expectations for 2015? What do you hope for 2015, you know? Well, you know, I got um, hurt real
0: bad on the movie two years ago. Uh, I was put on a new horse who didn't like gunshots, and he threw me, and I got caught up on the stirrup and fell underneath him, and he trampled me. and shattered the entire side of my face, which is now, you know, put back together with titanium, and broke eight ribs, broke my sternum in two pieces, and lacerated my liver. So that's been a real big ordeal. So this happened in 2012. I still haven't had my eye socket fixed completely. So, uh, you know, I just... uh, My goal for 2015 is to finally get this fixed and get it behind me, to be honest. Uh, It's been dragging on, you know, for, you know, two years. So I would like to get that behind me and then to also stop eating so much chocolate and dark chocolate and uh, ice cream. (laughs) So those are my goals. Get my eyes fixed and stop eating sugar. (laughs)
1: that, that, can be, um, that can be very tempting, and, um, you know, um, like I said, Jeff, I really hope when you have some new uh, projects out and stuff or a new book, I'm hoping that you will come back on the show, and I just want to uh, uh, thank you for being on the show, and I will definitely Sounds let you know when the show is posted. So Sounds good. You take care, my friend.
0: All right, you too, buddy. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.